So if I am teaching the gospel in such a way that I'm encouraging people to focus on me and listen to me and Pastor Sam knows it and just go listen to him and follow him, I'm not teaching the gospel well. I might not be teaching the gospel arguably at all. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we are continuing in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. And actually, today we're picking up in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. About two weeks ago, we read uh, verse 1 through 10. And actually, what we saw there was that Peter and John had encountered a man on the way into the temple. And this man had been lame, he'd been crippled since birth. And we'll actually find out as we read through uh, chapter 3 that this guy's over 40 years old. So this guy, for over 40 years, has been unable to walk entirely, right, from birth. Um, And so this guy was, you know, he spent his time in the temple asking for money because, of course, he couldn't work. And so he needed financial support. And so he had asked Peter and John for money, and they had actually just healed him of his infirmity instead. And so we covered all that in the last uh, lesson. And his healing was so miraculous that he was instantly able to jump and even run, right? So it wasn't like a, it wasn't even like a slow kind of gradual healing. Uh, I mean, he literally went from I've never walked in my entire life and I'm over 40 to I'm running and I'm leaping. Uh, so really an incredible miracle of healing had happened in this, in this guy's life. And so this is a, basically where we left in verse 10. So today we're going to pick up in verse 11. We'll continue the story. And as I read today, we're going to be uh, reading verse 11 through 26 in Acts chapter 3. And as I just, I'm just going to read straight through it. Then we're going to unpack it a little bit. But as I'm reading, what I really encourage you to do is I want you to think about this question. And the question is, whose reputation should we be building and why? Okay. And by we, I just mean those of us who follow Christ. Those of us who are believers, who are in the church. We say we follow Christ. Hopefully, we're actually living like we follow Christ and we really mean it, right? And so for those of us who are following Christ, whose reputation should we be, uh, should we be building and why? Okay, so just have that question in your mind as we kind of read through these next set of verses. So Acts chapter 3, verse 11, let me begin here. It says, while he was holding on to Peter and John, this is the man who was healed. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. This is another part of the temple. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, uh, though he had decided to release him. And you denied the holy and righteous one, and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life, whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. 
So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him his perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, whom he has appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. All right. So obviously there's a lot there. And this is another one of those Peter's, uh, one of, another one of Peter's sermons, right? Where he really kind of delves into Hebrew scripture and some cultural context and some really historical and, and uh, ancestral context that would have made a lot of sense for them. And so as we're reading through that, you're like, I'm not really getting all the references that Peter is making. We're going to unpack those a little bit too as we go. But I, we're going to kind of, we're going to walk through this now. We're going to look at what are the major points that Peter's really making here and uh, how do they help us answer this question of whose reputation should we be building, right? Uh, and so we're going to start here back here at verse 12, right? Um, the first thing we saw Peter do in verse 12 is Peter doesn't want the credit or the attention on him. And that's really clear, right? Peter wants all of the attention, he wants all of the credit focused on Jesus. Uh, and really, if you think about it, it's really natural for people to be drawn to Peter and John, right? I mean, if you and I saw a couple of dudes uh, heal somebody and this person jumps out of their electronic wheelchair in the mall and starts running around the building, we would all be like, wow, those two guys who just healed that person, they're amazing. We probably want to go follow those guys around and figure out who they were and where they got this power. So it would be really natural for the crowds to really put all their attention on Peter and John and kind of exalt them. And so the very first thing we see Peter do is go, I don't want the attention on me. I want the attention on Jesus. And then really what we see is that Peter is safeguarding people from placing their trust. Right? Really what Peter's doing, there's a lot of things Peter's doing by putting the focus on Jesus, but one of the things is he's safeguarding them from putting their trust in fallible human beings. Right? Because you see that in his language. He says, why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The next thing we see uh, here in verse 14 is that Peter explains that the same Jesus they have rejected was the one who had healed this man. So there's an interesting contrast there, right? Because he's not just saying, hey, Jesus healed him. He's really making the point to them. 
the Jesus that you have been rejecting, not just once or twice, but really for a while now, right? Because Jesus lived into his 30s and his ministry was, you know, three or four years long. The people were familiar with Jesus, but a lot of this crowd had still been rejecting him. And Peter's making the point, he's saying, listen, the Jesus that you have rejected, even to the point of his execution, he's the one, right? It's actually even just the power of his name healed this man and caused this incredible miracle, right? Um, in other words, right, they, he's pointing out to them how they had been rejecting this same opportunity for life and healing, which is really profound when you think about it. So Peter's first order of business is, hey, don't put your attention on me. Put your attention on Jesus. Let me tell you something about this Jesus. You've been rejecting the healing and the health and the life that you are currently witnessing flow through this man's body. It's a powerful statement that Peter is making, right? And we see that in verse 14 through 16. <clears throat> and, and, and note the contrast of what he says to them, right? Um, he, he says here in verse 14, he says, he's talking back about Jesus's execution. And if you know about that, if you read back into that story, you, you see that what happened was uh, the governor had had gone to the people and go like, like, hey, I know it's your custom that, you know, during the celebration of your holiday, uh, we release a criminal from execution back to the people. And I'll either give you back Jesus or I'll give you back this guy who's a convicted murderer. And the crowd literally chose to receive back the convicted murderer and to give him a pardon rather than giving Jesus a pardon. So that's what Peter's referencing in verse 14, when he says, you asked for a murderer to be released to you, but you killed the source of life. So see that contrast, right? Peter's, Peter's helping them see how the incredible healing power that they're witnessing in this man's body has been available to them, but they've been rejecting it. That's, a, that's, that's big, okay? But let's continue. Verse 19 and 21, Peter then extends the offer to the crowd, right? He's saying to them, they can receive in Jesus what this man just received in Jesus. That's what he's saying to them. Let's, let's read that again. He says, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus who was appointed for you as a Messiah. And as we've covered already, right, as a Messiah, this means he was appointed for you as your healer, as your deliverer, as your Lord, right? So Peter is extending to the crowd the same offer. The healing power you are seeing at work in this man's life can also be at work in your life if you would only stop rejecting Jesus and receive him as Lord and King in your life, right? And healing and life in Jesus is received by what? By rejecting sin, which leads to death, right? We look here at reference over Romans, right? There's a clear connection between sin and death. That's why repentance is so important. If you want to receive the life of Jesus, you have to repent from the sin. And that doesn't just mean, you know, oh, I'm sorry I sinned. He's saying you have to turn back, right? Repent and turn back from your sin. Well, why do we have to repent and turn back from sin in order to receive life from Jesus? And the answer is because sin leads to death. 
If we stay on that path, all that lies ahead of us is death. And if we want life, we have to reject the saying and go towards Jesus to receive the life. Romans chapter 6, verse 21, uh, and then verse 23 says, So what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? He's talking about saying, The outcome of those things is death. Verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. And note that contrast, right? Note that contrast. Wages of sin, but gift. Wages versus gift. In other words, what you deserve is wages. What you don't deserve is a gift, right? Gifts aren't given because you deserve them. They're given because they're just giving as a blessing, right? And so the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, our Lord. That's Romans 6.23, right? And so this present seizing of suffering, we see Peter kind of foreshadow this in verse 21. The present seizing of suffering, or I'm sorry, seizing of refreshing, that's the opposite. The seizing of refreshing that could come to them from the Lord if they repent. Uh, Peter goes on to basically explain that that's only like a first tasting of the hope that they can have in Jesus. And then in verse 25 and 26, kind of this last point I want to focus on before we get to the application part is, you know, throughout this whole interaction, Peter has focused on building Jesus's reputation in the minds of the people, right? And now he's focusing on their unique opportunity to hear and receive Jesus, right? The time is urgent. I'm going to read this to you again, what he said. In verse 25, he said, You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, All the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you. Right? So he's talking about, he's talking to Scribe and saying, Listen, right now, like right now you can do this. He sent him first to you to receive Jesus, to be healed in his name, and to come under his kingship and his authority in your life, which is life-giving and blessing. And, and so in other words, Peter's saying, if you're seeing this man's healing and you're hearing me right now, don't go home and deliberate and think about, well, maybe one day I'll accept Jesus. He's saying the time is now, right? So he's focusing on their unique opportunity to hear and receive Jesus, and he's focusing on the fact that it's urgent. Right? The time is now. Right? And look at this language that he says. He says, he sent him first to you to do what? To bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. In other words, he's saying, listen, here's why there's no time to waste. Here's why it's such an urgent and important and beautiful message. Because Jesus has actually come to save you from yourself. He's going to bless you by turning you. That's repentance, right? Even the repentance that we offer the Lord is first initiated by Him moving on our hearts and convicting us of sin and showing us the right way. And we go, oh, wow, right? And, and if we're responsive to the Lord, we'll gladly turn from our sin and follow Him because sin pays out death. But Jesus freely gives life. So I love that language, right? He, is, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning you from your evil ways, right? Jesus has come to save us from ourselves. 
It's a beautiful message that Peter preaches to this crowd. So now we're going to look at just some application, right? Because we're going to look at, okay, the scripture, the scripture is recorded really for instruction and for teaching in our lives. And so what can we learn and how can we apply it, right? So the questions I really invite you to think about now, as we've kind of unpacked, what is Acts, you know, chapter 3, verse 11 through 26, uh, what are those verses saying? We've really unpacked that, but now we want to look at what does it mean, especially in our context, right? So the questions I want you to think about are, what are the big ideas that you see in this passage? And then what are some applications? What are some next steps for you? As you're thinking about that, let me read you just what I've got for myself as I was reading and preparing for today. Um, you know, the first big idea that I saw is that the priority in sharing the gospel uh, is to get people focused on Jesus and not on us, right? So if I am teaching the gospel in such a way that I am uh, that I'm encouraging people to focus on me and listen to me and Pastor Sam knows it and just go listen to him and follow him and do what Pastor Sam says. I'm not teaching the gospel well. I might not be teaching the gospel arguably at all because the gospel is a message that focuses people not on me and not on some other man or woman, but the gospel message focuses people on Jesus. So the priority in sharing the gospel is to get people focused on Jesus. Don't focus on me. If you, you do not want to make Sam the Lord of your life, I tried being the Lord of my own life and it was a nightmare. You definitely don't want to follow that. Nor do any of us want to follow any human being. There's only one person who deserves the role and who actually can be trusted with the role of Lord in our lives, and it's Jesus. Okay? Second big idea that I see here is that receiving Jesus and repenting of sin is an urgent matter. And that's really what we see Peter making clear at the end of his sermon there, right? It's not something that we can just get around to later, right? It's like, you know, like if you can't see good, you need to go to the eye doctor now. Like, you ever wonder why people are like, ah, I'll see later. I'll, I'll, I'll look at things tomorrow. I don't need to see today, right? Like, I mean, sometimes we do do that kind of nonsense, right? But it's like, listen, sin is so destructive. Repenting of sin, turning from sin is something that, like, there's no time to waste, right? And so receiving Jesus and repenting of sin is an urgent matter. It's not something that we need to get around to later or that we can even afford to get around to later. And so that not only needs to be a message for ourselves internally, like, if you've got sin in your life, repent of it now. Like walk in freedom now. Receive the healing of Jesus and the repentance of your sins now. Like why would you put that off? But then also when we're sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, we need to also impress that urgency. Like why would you continue in pain and suffering and destruction when you can be set free and healed now? And so there's an urgency to the message of the gospel. So uh, some applications, some, you know, next steps that I've written down here for myself are if I'm going to share the gospel, uh, I have to let go of the desire to improve or even maintain my own reputation, right? In other words, I need to like just be okay with things not being about me. And, you know, you might go, well, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, well, because of human nature, uh, you know, you know, most of us really do want some kind of credit and uh you know you know will anybody appreciate what i'm saying and doing 
Uh, you know, these are natural, normal desires, but they office, uh, you know, very often will lead us to a sinful place. And they'll distract from the message about Jesus. And so, if I'm going to share the gospel, I have to let go of the desire to improve or even maintain my own reputation. And I just mean about, what I mean about improve or maintain my reputation, I'm talking about glory, accolades, you know, kudos, awards, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, obviously, I want to have a good reputation in the sense that when I speak about Jesus, that message is credible, right? Like I'm not living a horrific life, and then you look at me and go, I'm not listening to that knucklehead. So my reputation matters in that sense, but not in the sense of elevating myself, right? So reputation, you think of it this way, reputation is important for qualification, but we don't want to use reputation for elevation, right? I just, my reputation is important so that I'm a qualified person for you to listen to. But your attention and your hope needs to be on Jesus and I need to be letting go of any desire for accolades, awards, appreciation, pedestals, anything like that, right? The other application I have written down here for myself is I need to see my own life as a testimony about Jesus and consider how it reflects on him. And that's kind of what I was just talking about, right? Reputation matters for qualification. And so I need to see my own life as a testimony about Jesus. And I need to consider how my life and my conduct reflects on him so that when I speak and I share the gospel, I'm not doing damage to the message because I'm acting like a knucklehead otherwise, right? Uh, so those are some applications, next steps I have written for myself. Hopefully that is helpful uh, for you. Let me leave you with, a, with something to pray about this week and a question to ponder and consider this week. First, I really encourage you to pray uh, today and this week. Pray that God would use you as a living testimony to the power of Christ. And what a beautiful prayer that is, right? Like, Lord, will you, will you use me? Will you use my life as a testimony to, about the power of, of Jesus? In other words, may my life serve as evidence that Jesus is powerful. Not that I'm powerful, but that Jesus is powerful. So pray that way today. Pray that way this week. And the question I invite you to just consider and think about uh, this week is, what desires or emotional needs will you have to release or let go of in order to point people to Jesus? So for, for some of us, right, it may be, you know, the desire to be praised or liked or, um, you know, appreciated or, you know, whatever you might say, right? Um, it might be the desire to be the answer to everybody's problem. Uh, that's one of the struggles I have, right? I kind of want to solve everybody's problem and, and be what everybody needs me to be all the time. And that's one of the things I have to let go of in my own life. In order to point people to the power of Jesus, I have to stop pointing people to the power of Sam, right? And so think through that question this week. Pray through that question. Let the Lord talk to you uh, about that, all right? And uh, again, just enjoy uh, this time together. Hope, uh, I hope it's been a blessing and, uh, for you and just helpful for you. And uh, look forward to being together again in the future. All right. Bye-bye. We are so glad you have joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church/house. 
Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.